Hello and welcome to The Pathway. My name is Tim Deeks, and in this podcast, we dive deep into the lives of interesting characters from a wide range of backgrounds. No matter if the guest is a leader in business, sport, media, or politics, everyone has a pathway through life. And it is my ambition that through each guest's unique story, you'll be able to take something away to put into action on your own path. So let's start walking. For over 25 years, Peter Jones has been behind Australia's biggest events. Think grand finals, Melbourne Cups, Olympics. This man has done it all. Peter is someone who loves to share his knowledge with current and previous roles, including chairman of the Victorian Industry Council and board member of Destination Melbourne. I can't wait to dive straight into his pathway. Welcome, Peter. Tim, a very good morning to you and great to be uh, with you on this uh, on this day. I want to start at the very beginning of your career. What was your first job? <laughs> that was in the last century. Um, we go back that far. No, um, a lot of people ask that. And my first job was the actual reason where I am today in the event industry. I was very fortunate that during my school holidays, and this was year 11, so I was what, 16, I was one of those people who said I needed to earn some money and my father at the time was chairman of the Melbourne Moomba Festival and virtually he said alright there's a job in there if you want to go in there for five days a week and the fee or that I was going to get paid $25 for the five days. I went in there, I thought well, why not? I ended up going in and ended up one month later running my own event for the first time. I then went back the next year when I did VCA and finished and then went back there in uni. So my start came because I got an opportunity to go and work in a festival that gave me that experience and the entree to events. What was it about events that just struck you? Oh, Tim, it's a good question. I think there are two types of people in this world. There are those that are born to organise and those that aren't. And I was one that was born to organise. And I think I always had a creative flair. Um, I always knew at school I would not be a doctor, I would not be a lawyer, I would would not be an engineer. And therefore, my interest went into more the humanity side, the creative side. And I just found an outlet. I went in there and I thought, you know what? I can do this. And it just kind of led from there to there. And that's moved on. So that's kind of, I think I owe it to that start is where I've ended up today. I want to dive back just a little bit. If, If I was to ask some of your teachers at school... Did they, did they forecast this for you? What do you think they'd say about you? They would laugh if uh, they did. I actually went back to school, did a reunion many, many years ago, and it's interesting to talk to the teachers. A lot of them said, which was rather nice, Peter, you had the ambition and the, and the drive to go and do something. And I've worked by myself for the last 30 years now. And I'm one of those things, Tim, when perhaps it was meant for me that I was always going to be my own boss that to work for someone else was going to be difficult. And I think I've found that at an early age. And if you can get that and that experience when you are in your teens, I think it steads you up um, for, for a career that will go down, you know, over those years where you have control of your own destiny. And that's the thing I've enjoyed the most about it. A lot of people are lucky. They, they have a passion, but they don't know how to turn it into a business. When did you realize that events was going to be your career? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I agree with that as a passion. I often say to people now, if I had all the money in the world, would I retire and not do events? And the answer to that is no. If I still had all the money, I would still want to be part of this. 
it's just, it's an un- intangible thing where you go, I can do it. And the main thing was him, I could get satisfaction from it. It, it actually gave me a sense of fulfillment and it gave me a chance to bring others in and work with them in a creative sense. So I think I probably realised when I was 16, I'm sure, you know, when I came back and that's when VCE worked for me to be able to go and do it. And then I went and did a, a Bachelor of Economics, but I did a major in marketing because I knew I would end up using those skills. Little do I know I would end up where it was today, mm-hmm. but it, it that early opportunity and you've got to be able to take it and, and say, right, is this for me? And that's what I did and the rest I'm still here after all these years later. During those early days, was there a, a particular event that you kind of stopped and were like, okay, this is going to be something, something really special. I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Yeah. I look back at um, over the years of the events and I've been very fortunate to be able to say I can stand on the, the MCG on grand final day. I've been in the mounting yard at Flemington on cup day. I've been there when the Olympic torches come into, you know, into, into the Sydney stadium, uh, the best events and the ones that mean the most are the ones you have a personal attachment to where there is this feeling of, wow, I was able to deliver a great outcome for people that had an an, an emotional attachment to events. So you look at some of the more significant ones, which are are charity related, Field of Women, which is a large event for Breast Cancer Network Mm. that's run every four years. I mean, when I was doing that, my mother was going through an issue with cancer. So when when you have events that you, it touches you, you want to make them even better and put more in to try and get something out of it, not just for you, but for everyone else um, involved. You mentioned it, grand finals, Melbourne Cups, Olympics. When I think about these big events, they have such, um, they have a lot of stakeholders. How do you stay on top of the details when there are countless moving parts? (laughs) They certainly are. What we do, um, I think one of the great things I've learned over the years is how to be a good leader. And a leader means you have to, do it with the team. I mean, on let's take the grand final parade as an example here in Melbourne, we would have over 500 people employed on that day. And I'm not responsible for everyone, but my role is basically to put a team together that can manage that. And I think that's an important thing. If you're not that type of person, you've got to be able to stand out there, put yourself out there and take responsibility for what happens. But most importantly, Tim, you've got to take everyone else for on, on the ride with you. So there is no point in having people saying, oh, I don't want to do that. I've got to make sure that I put in, the, in, in place a structure and a team that can deliver what I've actually gone and told the client. Because at the end of the day, my neck is the one on the line and I'm the one they'll come to if it doesn't go along to plans. Do you have a, a certain dial that you deliver? Is there a certain, is there habits that you have learnt over the years to look after such a large group? Yeah, there are. I've seen people um, and I've noticed over many, many years how different people act and how they try to talk about their vision and get people on board. The, the greatest learnt lesson that I've learnt was, was Ron Walker, um, the late Ron Walker, who taught me so much how to be a leader, how to have empathy, I'm not a screamer. I'm not someone who's going to absolutely yell and say, you must do it this way. I try to work from an approach where you you say, this is what I'm trying to achieve. And you get a team together and you say, tell me how I can go and do that. So I make sure that I hear from the creative people, the technical people, the logistics people, bring them all in. They've got to have 
a share in what the vision is. There is no point in them going, well, Peter, that's a stupid idea. We can't do that. I will listen to them and help steer them in the direction I want to go. So the, the saying is very true. You're only as good as the team that are operating. You're only as good as the, as the weakest link in your chain. I've got to make sure that weakest link is not the weakest link and the chain is strong right down the line. I imagine some of your clients, and when I think back to some of your really, really big events, they obviously have their vision of what the event looks like. I wondered if you could tell us, how would you manage, how do you manage expectations and handle the more difficult clients? The first thing we do is actually sit down with the client and, and, and hear what's important to them. Because there are times when I've gone, oh, that's not important. We, we shouldn't be focusing on that, but it is to them. So the most important thing to do is to, is to have that relationship where you can say to the client, what are you trying to get out of this event and what is important to you? And then you've got to go and relay that down the line to your team to make sure that happens. Managing expectations is basically what I do. And I talk about that from a management perspective. When running an event or any business, there are people that have to manage down and that's dealing with you know, the people that put the barricades in and the face painters and the bands and all those sorts of things. I don't get involved in that. My key role, as I see from a management perspective, is to manage up. And that means working with the client, making sure I'm there on the day they see me and working with their stakeholders. So for the AFL, for example, you're dealing with, obviously with the AFL, but then you've got the City of Melbourne, you've got Channel 7, you've got broadcasters, you've got sponsors like Toyota. You've got all of those that have got a vested interest in that event. So you've got to be able to make sure that you can talk to them as much as you can talk to the person putting up the barricades. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because I imagine, you know, especially as as you've developed and your business has grown and gotten bigger, you've also got bigger egos to deal with. Do you have... Are you talking, are you talking about me? Or no, about no, 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 no. Most certainly not because <laughs> no. I, I know you as a very, very yeah. humble person. <laughs> Do you have a particular, like, is there a bit of a hack that you can let us into that you kind of, when you're dealing with a really big ego or you're dealing with someone really difficult that you use or a strategy that you use? Yeah, there are times when I have actually disagreed with what the direction of the event is. And I've said, okay, I hear what you're trying to achieve. Perhaps we can do it in these different ways so it's a matter then of not saying you don't want to say no to someone outright I hate that when people say it to me what would then do is say okay listen you're trying to achieve x if we do this this is what the implications are and I think sitting down and explaining the ramifications of what would happen if a certain thing was picked from there making them realize that but reassuring them that what you're providing as another option will still achieve their objectives and that's the key thing here. So it is a bit of, oh, I hate this word, but it's a bit of spin in a way yeah, no, where you can go and, and create, no, 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 that's fine. I hear what you want. You want X to get there. I need to make sure I can do this and this for you. And I think that goes back to the relationship. We've had clients that we've worked with on one event and one time many years ago. And at the end of it, I said, I think it's better for us to part ways simply because they weren't going to listen to anything else but what they wanted. Nine times out of 10, you work with clients who will listen to you, Tim, because they trust you. And if you've been in the industry a long time and you've got a track record, they will say, right, Peter, if you say it's got to be blue, then it's got to be blue. 
and we will do it that way. So I think you've got to build up that trust to be a good leader and that is just something you can't, you can be taught it, but what you've got to do in business world is to earn it and you've got to earn respect, earn trust from those that you work with. Hi, it's Tim's mum Mandy here and I hope you're enjoying The Pathway. If you love listening to Tim as much as I do, please subscribe and rate this podcast while you're listening. Back to you, Tim. Such big events, such, you know, we talked about the, the moving parts and you're always spinning plates. When something goes wrong, how do you handle it? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, there have been plenty of things that have gone wrong over the years. I think what you've got to do is make sure that if something does go, go wrong, that you minimize the damage. So if, if, you know, I've had instances before at events when the PA system has stopped and you can't hear the speaker and people start talking. What you're best there to do is actually stop the event. And we've actually walked up on stage and said, so we're going to fix our problem, we'll take a break, come back and do that. So you've got to make sure that you are in a position to make a decision what would happen. And, and we often do that with events. We go through the whole thing, which is a risk assessment and planning. And what part of my job will be, okay, what happens if this happens? What happens if the event's outdoor and it rains. What happens if we get a 40-degree day? What happens if the MC gets sick? What happens if the band can't play this or whatever it will be? And you go through all those contingencies and then you work out how to minimise risk and how to make sure that the event you're putting on is the safest and that you actually can deliver what you're promised. And I, there is no point in actually going to a client saying, oh, yeah, we can do this. We, yeah, don't worry about it. And then you know you can't because their expectations are up here. What we try to do is under under um, uh, under promise under, and over deliver. Under promise and over deliver out of out of there and do that. And I think that's probably the most important thing when they go, "Yep, you said it was going to be right, and it was, and I trusted you." Do you recall a time when something went drastically wrong? <laughs> yeah, I think probably I will talk about this too without. I die because people still want to know about it. So um, I am the man who put meatloaf on the stage at the grand final back in 2011. And that is basically an event that went drastically wrong. And that was because the talent was not in a, a state to be able to go out and perform from there. Tim, there are some things you actually can't change. You just can't walk up in the middle of that and say, you need to get off. So we wore that one and the damage was from there. There's a long line of, you know, why that happened, why it didn't work from there. But you've then got to go into, you know, crisis management about how you're going to deal with it and the fallout that happens. Because the last thing you want to do is have the client, mind you, they were the ones who made that decision, not me, but you're still part of the whole thing. So... I've had uh, I've had people had a heart attack at events and have to stop. I've had a flood. I've had uh, a cool change come through and blow marquees out of the ground in the middle of an event. So whilst you can plan for all these things, often it's the way on the day you deal with them that makes the difference between the event being really good or an absolute disaster. I guess that's why you love it though, the 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 variety. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you don't do this business and you're not in it unless you've got the temperament to do it. Um, a lot of people say to me, oh my God, Peter, I don't know how you put up with the stress levels of doing it and those sorts of things that go wrong from there. I kind of, in a way, it's a bit of an adre adrenaline rush and knowing that, okay, we've got to make this work. I've got to make sure I've got all the places, you know, all the pieces in, in place to be able to do it. Um, as I said, not everybody can do that. 
it gets harder as you get older, um, but you've got to make sure that your experience then goes through your team and all the staff where they know what you expect of them and how this event's going to be delivered. When I was preparing for this interview, I, I was doing all this different research on you and I was really thinking about all the things that I wanted to know about you because you, you do, there's so many facets to your, to your style. You, you know, you've, you've had such a long career. So I was wondering if you can finish these sentences for me. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning is? Not turn on my phone. Oh, talk us through. Um, yeah. I, I don't do it. I'm not obsessed about it. The first thing I do in the morning is um, I, I actually turn on the radio um, and I listen to the news and I like to hear what's happening in the world. So that is the first thing I do. If I wasn't in the event business, the other occupation I would like to attempt is? I, I would have to go and get a real job one day if um, I left this business. Tim, I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, there isn't another job that I would say, God, I wish I would have done that. Um, I believe what you get out of um, a career is what you want to put in and how much effort and satisfaction you can get from there. So whilst I have had my moments, I wouldn't have changed anything as from a career perspective. That's good. That's a really great answer. The book I recommend to people the most there's a, a book, again, from an events perspective, is called Things That Can Go Wrong, and it was written by the guy who actually produced Super Bowl in America. Um, in the event industry, it's like a compulsory read because he just goes through scenarios about what could happen and, and the planning and from there. Um, I found it absolutely fascinating. What it did, it actually reinforced the way that I thought and the approach that we were going to take, and I think that's what gave me a bit of satisfaction. Someone on that scale and we were thinking along similar lines. I think there's going to be a lot of events, people listening to this that are going to go out and get that book if they haven't already. The The best purchase I have ever made under $100 is? Probably my new putter. Oh, um, all right. Yeah, the reason for that is um, I am a, a, an avid golfer. Um, I have dreams of one day retiring from events and going on the senior circuit. But um, as my wife says, we would be broke if I did that because <laughs> you wouldn't earn anything. It's amazing to me how such a small purchase can make such a difference to your life. And I'm always happy when those putts are going in. You hear the doom and gloom uh, around COVID and, and everything, but I really want to focus on the positive because that's the kind of guy you are. The thing that most excites me about the future is? The industry will be reinvented and there are so many opportunities for younger people, particularly coming through, to be part of that. I think it was Winston Churchill, Tim, who said, never waste a good crisis. And I don't intend to waste this one. Um, and I don't think the industry will waste this one. What it will do is say, okay, this is what we were doing before. This is the impact that COVID's had right now. And this is the impact COVID's going to have moving forward because it will be with us. We're going to have to run our lives around some form of COVID moving forward. I think that what that presents are opportunities um, to look at what's important in putting together a team, in putting together an event, new ways of doing things. Just because we've done it before doesn't mean we can do it the same again. So I kind of look at this as a new opportunity to restart and look at the business uh, the industry and how you can move forward over the next particularly five years. Peter, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are inspired by this and, and that's exactly why I wanted to get you on because you're, uh, you're an incredible man.
Tim. It's been a pleasure. Um, and I hope that some of my experiences others can learn from. I'm certainly not perfect and I keep learning every day. And that's the best thing about being in this business. Peter Jones, special events. If you've got a huge event and, uh, and you'd like to, you need someone to run the show, there is no better man than Peter. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Tim, very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and join me next time on The Pathway.